This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast, we're recording this episode on Tuesday, July 18th, 2017. Not our usual Wednesday night, but uh, this is Justin along with my cousins, Derek and Tyler. Devastating news out of Nebraska this week. Chris Jones out four to six months with a knee injury. What can you tell us about the injury and what it means for our defense, Derek? Well, I honestly, I think there's a, I think it's a big deal. I do think it's a big deal. I think there's a little bit of overreaction from Nebraska fans right now. I, I think that with uh, if the uh, Bob Diaco and the rest of the defensive staff decide to move Kalu back to corner and get that experience back at corner, and, and get Kieran Williams back in at safety, I mean. I, I think we'll be okay as long as as long as those guys can stay healthy. Uh, you know, Kieran Williams, he, he was always intriguing to me as he was. He's our leading tackler, re, leading returning tackler. He led the team in interceptions, and he's not going to. He wasn't even expected to be a starter. So I don't. I, th- I think getting him back on the field, if they, could, they decide to go that route could end up being good for Nebraska, but it's still a huge blow to lose Chris Jones. Tyler. Yeah, Derek, I think you're way underselling this thing. I mean, Chris Jones, in my opinion, I think a lot of people's opinion was going to be the best player we had on our roster this year. Uh, I mean, Chris Jones is one of the main reasons why I felt our secondary could have been a top 10, top 15 defensive back in the country. That's gone. I mean, you look at the biggest strength of our team, the best player on our team, now gone. And I think that that's going to have ramifications. And while I haven't set my official predictions, I'm guessing the loss of Chris Jones is going to cause us at least a game in my book. Uh, I think you look at a guy who literally shut down one side of the field. He was a lockdown corner. He was a guy that I thought could have been a first-round draft pick next year. I mean, you don't replace a guy like that with, you know, moving Kalu back and what whatever you do. I mean, the the loss of him is going to have ramifications on the season. You know, there's a reason why he was showing up on all these uh, uh, these award national awards. You know, because he is that good, Derek. Well, I mean, he is. I think the intangible part of it, he is that good, but. You know, statistically speaking, and I, I know that's not everything, and I know, Tyler, I, we've had this discussion before about people probably weren't thrown in his direction, but, I mean, the guy only had 37 tackles last year. He did have three interceptions, and uh, he had 10 pass breakups. And Kalu, as, as a corner, had 66 tackles with 11 pass breakups, and, and only, he only had one interception. And I, I guess obviously it was, it was it, that the stats are showing that they went more towards Kalu than they did Chris Jones, but I just I just think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Like I, I think we can survive without him. I don't think it's something that is also where it's going to be six and six because we lost Chris Jones. 
I, I mean, I hope you're right. I mean, I, the problem is I don't know how much better than six and six we were with Chris Jones. Uh, I mean, Derek, I think you know the loss of him. I, I think is really going to hurt our secondary. I, I really do. I question now when I look at the roster. When I thought the secondary was the strength of the team, is now our secondary one of our weaknesses? I mean, and, and maybe that's an overreaction, but you look at like we are one injury away from having to roll Eric Lee on the field, and he might very well be a good player, but I'm not that high on Lamar Jackson at this point in his career. I'm not confident in him. And if we go into next year with Eric Lee and Lamar Jackson as our top two corners, I cannot think of a worse duo at corner going into a season that we've had in recent history. Well, I think that's why it's, like, it's to me at least, it's the big picture is easily move Kalu back to corner. You have to have some experience at corner. I don't, I don't think bringing in Lee at corner and leaving Kalu at safety should even be an option at this point because you have to have some kind of experience back there. And and if you bring in Kieran Williams, you have the, the experience at safety. If you move Kalu back to corner, you have some experience at least one side of the corner. I mean, Lamar Jackson's had some experience, and let's hope that Deontay Williams can uh, improve him a little bit more than what he was last year. But it still seems like a little bit of an overreaction to me. I'm going to agree with you both. I think this is a huge loss because, yeah, Tyler, you're right. This was the, this was the best player on the defense. He was. We're going to miss that. I will say, however, in, when we were watching the spring game, I thought that uh, our secondary was the best part of the game at every level, even when we got down to the third string defense. Those guys, uh, what, is it, what is his name, Boodle, right? DiCaprio Boodle. Yep. That guy, he was locked solid. He was a, he's a third string guy. I mean, all I mean, of Tony guys, Butler. Yeah, and Tony, and Tony Butler, he had a great game. I mean, there is some talent on there. Yeah, they're not going to have the experience there. Huge loss, but I think uh, – I don't want to undersell it, but, you know, I, I think – I don't think we're going to be in the doghouse. I do want to ask you guys something, though, with uh, Chris Jones and his return. Uh, you know, they're saying four to six months. Let's say four months brings him back at November 4th. Uh, that's right after the P- Purdue game. November 4th, we've got Northwestern Minnesota at Minnesota at Penn State in Iowa. Would you want to see him come back for those final four regular season games or just go ahead and redshirt? Uh, you know, Ju- Justin, real quick, you know, one last thing I wanted to say on Chris Jones being out is, you know, this season, the the unknown about this roster going into this season just even got more magnified. I mean, we, I mean, there is a potential that if Kalu stays at safety, we're going to start at two guys at corner that have barely played, uh, a quarterback that hasn't played, a bunch of wide receivers that have never played. I mean, this unknown of this roster it's going to be intriguing, but to answer your question, I, I think I'd like him the red shirt. Uh, you know, it, we're assuming with this scenario that he's going to come back at a hundred percent. And I just think that's a big assumption. I think, I think you're looking at a guy that in best case scenario, you know, he he's a guy that could play in the NFL and I would hate to see him take a risk on his future career, whether it be at Nebraska or not. 
on coming back and playing when he's not 100%. Derek? Well, I'll make this argument. I I think it all depends on how the season's going. But as far as his NFL career, honestly, I could care less. <laughs> oh, that's I, cool. Hey, look, look. Hey, I, I, I root for all Nebraska players that are in the NFL. But at the end of the day, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, come on, really? Is that why we're playing football here in Nebraska, just to put guys in the NFL? Or do we really care about Nebraska football? I want to win. I want to win here at Nebraska. If if he goes on to play in the pros, good for him. Great for him. I'll root for him. But okay, well, the- I, I want to see it here. Okay, Derek, Derek I, you've brought up this point. I think a lot matters where we are in the point in the season. I think you and Justin have both brought that up. And I think those are valid points. But my question to you, what if, what if we're average at that point? What, what, oh, if okay. we're, what if we're borderline making a bull? I, I th- at the end of Do the day... Do we put day, him in to make a bull? At the, no, at the end of the day, if we're not playing for a chance to win the West Division, I think you need to redshirt him. And hope to God that he comes back next year and uses talent next year. Tyler, I, I, I don't, I don't want to see him play unless... It's we know absolutely that it's going to help us to win a uh, conference title. Tyler, I think what complicates your question is, you know, if we're playing good, we're going to want him back because he could make us even that much better. But if we're playing poor, we're going to want him back because he's going to make us that much better. So I, I think either way, I think the fans are going to want him back if he's if he's one hundred percent, and that's a big unknown right now. Uh, but for me, I'm hoping he does come back because I don't see him sticking around to redshirt and then come back the following year. This is a guy that, you know, there was speculation that he was going to leave last year for the NFL draft. Under your scenario, he's, he could possibly just leave, and then we, we don't get to see what he could have been as a senior, I guess. I mean, I know that's selfish I, as a Nebraska fan, but I, I, I will say, I will say this. I think that if he was the red shirt, I can't imagine him wanting to leave to go pro. If he didn't leave after having a good year, why he would leave after having a year that he sat out? Because well, the money, yeah, the, 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 the fear, line. the fear of one more injury taking but, away but if, his chance to get a but, payday. But if the if the money was the issue, I think he would have left last year. Well, Justin, you brought this up. If, if I don't know where he's in his schooling, but let's say he gets his degree. And let's say our season is a 7-8 win season. I mean, he could be a six-round draft pick, make some dough, or he could come back and risk an injury playing for a team that may not be going anywhere. I mean, I, I, I guess the fear is, is like, if he's got his degree, why not go all in and try to make the NFL instead of risking one more injury? Right. Well... Okay, we've we got to move on here. The injury uh, to Chris Jones, it makes the Elijah Blades news that came out you know, this week, it makes it a huge deal now. Uh, what do you think about that, Tyler? Uh, I think it's an absolutely huge deal. I mean, we, we were just talking about where we are with depth, and I think Elijah Blades would have found his way on the field if Chris Jones was there. I think he's a huge player that would have made a big factor. I, I, I think that this Elijah Blades, Chris Jones, and all that stuff happening in the same week, 
I, I think it really is a kick in the crotch for the Husker program. Uh, I, I could have said balls there. I don't know why I didn't, but, uh, but no, I, th- I think it was a, it was a huge blow. I mean, you look at recruiting being the one thing we've been hanging our hat on, and we lost arguably our best recruit last year before we even got to Lincoln. Uh, you lost arguably our best player before the season even started. I mean, this was a really bad week for Husker Nation. Derek? Well, I, you know, it's a, I think it's a big deal. I really do. But I think my thing is, I don't know if it, it's such a big deal for next season as far as in the future. I think that's where it's more concerning is the depth in the future. However, we are recruiting a lot of cornerbacks, so maybe it doesn't end up hurting us. I, I, I don't know that I see him making the field as much as Tyler does. I mean, we all thought the same thing about Lamar Jackson, and he did see the field, and he disappointed. So I don't know that I, I was expecting that much more out of Elijah Blades. It's a, it's a big man's ball here in college football. It's not high school where you're ruling the roost. It's not intramurals. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Colorado coach? Anyway. Hey, guys, uh, football season is right around the corner. we got several intriguing Big Ten non-conference games this year. What games intrigue you the most? Let's start with Derek. Oh, we're going to start with me. All right. You know, everybody's gonna, everybody in the national media is going to talk about the Ohio State and Oklahoma game. They're going to talk about the Michigan-Florida game. Some of them are even going to talk about the Penn State-Pitt game with the big rematch there. And, and they're all intriguing games. They're all very intriguing games. I tried to look outside the box and tried to find some upsets, some upset specials that intrigued me. And one of them that I thought of was uh, Maryland and, and Central Florida. You know, this, I, I don't know if it'd be a huge upset, but, you know, last year's game was just – an awesome game. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember watching this game, but they went into two overtimes. Central Florida fumbled the ball in the second overtime, and then Maryland went ahead and went, went ran a 24-yard touchdown. But the fact that it was that intriguing of a game the first year, I could see it being an intriguing game the second year. Plus, you got Scott Frost and DJ Durkin both in their second years. Who's going to be able to improve their team the best? They both had about the same record. I, this game intrigues me. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Tanner. <laughs> Derek, that, that game, I, I honestly didn't even know they were playing this year. Uh, that, that, that was definitely an off-the-wall game. Uh, and, and you know what? You might be right. Maybe that is going to be a great game. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be tuning in for that one. But a game that I think all of Husker Nation is going to be tuning in for, and I, I really do believe from an outside perspective is intriguing, is going to be that Oregon-Nebraska uh, game. You, I mean, you're looking at both teams really resetting from where they've been. Uh, from a talent level, both teams have an opportunity to win their divisions. Uh, I think they're both in line there. But what what are these new coaches staff, and for Nebraska's case, the, the system going to do? Uh, I mean, this is going to be a game that I think is going to have big ramifications on both conferences and where both teams are heading this season. Derek. Well, I, I, I guess I'd like to hear you uh, 
go into a little more on what the ramifications are on the uh, conferences. Well, I think you look at like, you know, where Oregon is. I mean, Oregon and Nebraska both have talents to win the divisions. And, and when I said ramifications on the conference, I obviously won't have tie into conference standings. But what are these teams going to look like? I mean, do, does you know does Oregon change their system? Does this new three four and the new pass happy for a bet, lack of a better term Nebraska offense? Do those work? I mean, are we going to see a slow down Oregon team this year? I mean, what what are we going to see from these teams, and how is it going to translate the rest of the year? Because you know these are two teams in college football that could go from conference champions to not even making a bowl game, and, and I don't know if there's another non-conference game that has that kind of ramifications. I can agree with that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pick Oklahoma and Ohio State here. Because I think it's a disservice to gloss over this one. This is the premier uh, non-conference game, not only of these two conferences, but it's a, the premier, one of the premier non-conference games in the country. You know, it's up there with the uh, uh, Alabama USC, right? Florida State. I'm sorry, Alabama Florida State, and uh, the other one, Michigan Florida. That's being mentioned, but I don't care about that one but this one here this is a huge game overall it's very intriguing because we're going to see what Lincoln Riley does in his first year as head coach of Oklahoma after Bob Stoops turns the keys over him we're going to see if these guys are still a top five contender like they're supposed to be without Bob Stoops guiding that defense and uh, it's going to be all eyes on Oklahoma it's going to be all eyes on Ohio State with everything that you know happened to them. They didn't even win the conference last year, and you know what, what happened to them in the playoff. You know their humiliating loss. All eyes. It's going to be intriguing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Derek, I, I don't find a lot of intrigue in this game. I first off, I think Michigan or Ohio State. I'm sorry. I think Ohio State just cruises right past uh, Oklahoma. They beat them by, what, 42 to 10 last year at Oklahoma? And now they're going to come to the horseshoe with a new head coach? I, I don't see this being a good game. I don't. I really don't see where this is. I don't think this is a close, a close game. And you brought up the uh, Alabama-Florida State game and how this is intriguing for conferences. But I think the difference is you're talking about I, arguably, you could make either the Big Ten, the SEC, or the ACC possibly as one of the top conferences in the country. But nobody's arguing about who the bottom conference is. Everybody says it's the Big 12. Everybody knows it's the Big 12. And so even if they're the best in the Big 12, they're probably not going to make the playoff because the Big 12 is terrible. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I already forgot what your most intriguing game was. <laughs> no, I mean, in all seriousness, I, I think I think it is. This is a very intriguing game. This is a game that the whole nation, all college football fans, are going to be locked in on. Huge. Oh, absolutely, they are. Absolutely, they are. And I would be more intrigued in this game than uh, the Maryland Central Florida game. I, and just, Justin, I, and for the point of national perception, which game I'm more to watch, I, I agree with you. But what I will say, and you know, and Derek, you know, the thing I think we're trying to get to is that 
this game, I don't think is going to be an intriguing outcome. Uh, I think this is a game at the end of the day, it, it's going to be up to script. I think this is going to be a, you know, an ass kicking. Uh, I think, I think, I think the, the intrigue is going to be is does Baker Mayfield have any co- sort of rebuttal to maybe have a Heisman campaign? Uh, you know, I, I, in fact, is he even eligible to play with his alcohol? Like, is he going to be going to Columbus? I, I don't even know if they've officially ruled his alcohol punishment yet, but God forbid if he can't play that, this game is, yeah. I mean, this is going to be a massacre. Uh, you know, I think if you look at, the, you know, you kind of went over this. I think the Michigan-Florida game, as far as a big game in the Big Ten, is the more intriguing because both those teams have a lot of talent going into town. And and I don't know if there's one of those teams that have such a decisive advantage and it's going to be a Jerry's world. I think that's the game that's going to be a lot more intriguing of the big games. I'm just going to say this. You say a lot of talent. Yeah, maybe they have a lot of talent, but they don't have a lot of uh, returning starters. Uh, when I'm saying that, I'm talking about Michigan. Michigan returns one starter on defense and four on offense. That's it. I mean, they don't well, have a lot of returning experience. Well, let's not forget the fact that this is the first game of the year for both teams. So the experience, has you would almost have to certainly think, would weigh more towards Florida having nine, nine offensive starters coming back and five defensive starters coming back as opposed to, like you said, four and one for Michigan. I mean, may- maybe these guys come around by midseason or even after a couple games, but I think experience has to play a huge factor into the first game. I could almost see Florida wiping Michigan out. Well, and, and I'm not going to – I would be, first of all, thrilled for that uh, because I would love to see Michigan just take a big step back this year in Harbaugh's third season, and then that Michigan media swarming around him and him going a little crazy, a little Pelini on the world. But I don't see it happening. Harbaugh is one of the best coaches. They've had some of the best recruiting classes, and there was nothing from Florida last year that was impressive to me. Um, I think both these teams could be good this year. I don't know how good. Um I mean, I think the sky is they could be a potential top 10 team, both of these teams. But at the same time, I sit there and say, God, I don't know if one of them, if anybody has shown me enough to believe that this is going to be a game, I don't know who I would bet on in a straight-up matchup in this game. That's the definition of intriguing to me. I think, uh, for me, one of the games that I want to see, that I'm looking forward to see, actually, is uh, Iowa and Wyoming. I think uh, with Iowa... Really? Yes, I'm, I'm dead serious. With, with Iowa last year losing to North Dakota State, and with Wyoming with Craig Bull and their quarterback, Jared Allen, uh, you know, Iowa's big favorites in this game, minus 13. But uh, I think Wyoming has a chance to pull off an upset here. I just think that there's enough there that they could upset Iowa. I don't, I'm not sold on Iowa, and it's going to be fun. If, if, if I, let's put it this way. If Iowa struggles with Wyoming for 55 minutes even, wouldn't that be hilarious? 
No. Yes. Yes, it would they be str- funny. They struggle, they struggle with everybody for 55 minutes. Except Nebraska. Except Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There's not enough alcohol. Justin, we're talking about intriguing games. It, and it you mentioned intriguing. Iowa. You think, mentioned Iowa it, intriguing in the same sentence. Well, true. But I, I will say it has the potential to be intriguing. All right, Derek, let's hear it has one the, from you. It, it has, well, I'm sorry. It has the potential to be a waste of anyone's time. We're watching Iowa football. I'd rather watch paint dry than that shit. <laughs> Derek, go ahead. All right. Well, I'm going I'm to pull another one of these that you guys are going to laugh at me for, and I'm okay with it because, by God, intriguing to me. I, I, I'm going to watch probably every one of these games, so it really doesn't matter in the end. But I think the Purdue-Missouri game is fairly intriguing because you're, we already talked about the Michigan-Florida game, and you got – Michigan, who's predicted to be about the third best in the Big Ten, and in Florida, depending on who you look at, about second or third best in the in the SEC. And so you got that matchup, and then you got Purdue, Missouri, who are both predicted to be sixth in their division. And so the, the the conversation always goes to: Is the SEC better top to bottom than the Big Ten? And with these two games, we're going to find out. I mean, I, I, I think for that part, it makes it pretty intriguing for me. Also, I would like to see if Jeff Brom can kind of fix Purdue a little bit. I mean, obviously you can't expect miracles out of him in his first year. But let's not forget, he does have David Blau coming back, who threw for 3,352 yards last year with 25 touchdowns. He did have 21 interceptions, but if he can cut that down, you got a damn good quarterback coming back. Yeah, I, th- I think that that could be that could be a fun game, especially you know, uh, Purdue's winning. <laughs> Tyler, what do you say about that one? I, I said we were uh, we're talking about an intriguing game with arguably the two worst teams in their respective conferences. <laughs> I, I I I think Derek went to like the third page of the Big Ten on conference games. And he missed some of the good ones. Uh, a, a good one that I see. I'm just cutting hey, you off, Derek. Well, I'm just going to keep going. Hang well, on here. No, I just want to throw this out let, there. Let me explain myself produce. first. Let me explain myself a little bit. When we talked about intriguing games, because we even had this conversation the other night, we were talking about finding the intriguing games outside of the top games. And then all of a sudden, you guys are picking the top games. Well, I didn't think Iowa, Wyoming was, but... I mean, it's kind of a shitty game. <laughs> I mean, well, look, look, I'm, I'm going to say this about Purdue. Okay, I'm going to say this about Purdue. They have the most intriguing non-conference schedule top to bottom. You know, th- they play Louisville. They play Ohio and Missouri. I think, I think what they did is they won the gold star of scheduling in the Big Ten for non-conference. They, they did so a can great we, job. Can we make an argument that Northwestern – did the opposite of that and played the Kansas state role and they're playing Duke for, I don't know, the hundredth time in the past two or three years. And then they're playing uh, Nevada and Bowling Green. I mean, their, their schedule's junk. The difference is that I guarantee that you watch Northwestern Duke over Purdue, Missouri. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no interest. I have no interest in that that Northwestern Duke game. I have absolutely no interest in that game. Tyler, give us another one. 
I, I the game that I'm really intrigued on is especially as a Husker fan is Wisconsin BYU. I mean, you have Wisconsin going to BYU. BYU doesn't get a chance to host enough of these big games. Uh, Wisconsin's gonna be rolling in probably a preseason top ten team against a team with a quarterback that Nebraska fans will remember in uh, Tanner Magnum. 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 Yeah, that's it. Uh, and, and you know, you look at that team, and, and Wisconsin struggled against the pass sometimes last year, and and I don't know if their secondary is going to be stirrup. I, I think that's an upset alert that could just definitely put a little bit of hope in the Husker season of winning the West. So, Tyler, are you a Husker fan? Yeah. Because you just got done saying that all the Husker fans would remember this guy's name, and you couldn't even remember his name. I've had a few beers. <laughs> well, the point is, his name could have been. I remember him. I remember what he did to us. Play. The name. I, I, I have the first name right. Everybody remembers that play. Oh, come on. I can give you a hard time if you can give me a hard time. Derek, I'm okay with give us, uh Give us one more game before we wrap it up. Ah. Well. How about Maryland, Texas, then? Is that somewhat intriguing? I mean, it is for me because I live in Texas and I'm surrounded by Longhorn assholes. So I would love if a Big Ten non-contender would give it to Texas. So, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, I, mean, I guess if you're looking at, like, uh, returning starters, recruiting classes, I mean, Texas probably should wipe the floor with Maryland. But Maryland had a good recruiting class last year. And uh, God, they got their top. Th- they got their top three running backs back, and they combined for almost two thousand yards last year. I mean, Texas struggled last year. I don't know that me personally. I I, I don't think Tom Herman just come in and save the day within a matter of uh, the first week. I. I could see Texas struggling as Maryland. I get it's at Texas. But everybody thought the same thing when uh, BYU came to Texas a few years back. I think it was Charlie Strong's first year. And I, I, this game intrigues me a little bit. I think Maryland's going to be a little bit better and people are probably, probably giving them credit for. Uh, the problem is it's at Texas. And I would love – I'm, I'm going to no, be on board that. with you. I'm, I'm going for Maryland hardcore in this game. Tyler, do you got any thoughts on that game? Uh, I think that Texas got at home is going to win that game. I, I'm not buying into what Maryland's at as a program. I, I think they're still a couple years away from really competing. I agree. But uh, you know what, guys? Let's end it here. It's going to do it for us tonight. Again, follow the Husker Cuzcast on Facebook and on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Drop us a comment, good or bad. You can catch all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. And as always, go Big Red! Go Big Red.